Welcome to the Data Dump, bite-sized data stories for your ears. I'm your host, Zach Bowders. Usually, the data dump is a muddled slurry of pop culture and historical references smashed together with some numbers in the middle, hopefully taking things you never thought about before and lending numerical context to them. This week, though, I decided to actually tackle something that was important. And hopefully by the end of this, you might have a shift in thinking or at least a little bit of curiosity. Hans Rosling was a Swedish physician and educator who gained worldwide notoriety with his 2006 TED Talk, The Best Statistics You've Ever Seen, which to this day remains one of the most watched TED Talks ever. The year prior to this, Hans founded Gapminder with Osla Rosling and Anna Rosling Roland, which is dedicated to fighting ignorance with a fact-based worldview. Gapminder challenges those brave enough to navigate to it, starting off telling you that you are probably wrong about big topics like global warming, suicide trends, female bosses, and poverty. And they go so far as to prove it, challenging you to take a survey on each of these topics and presents you with the actual answers, showing you just how off our own conceptions of reality can be. And because they are independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan, nonpolitical, non-religious, Gapminder has become a reliable source for news outlets the world around, from Time Magazine, the BBC, Fox Business, ABC News, CNN, and beyond. And the mission of this organization is to identify systemic misconceptions about these important global trends that we all talk about and care about, and use reliable data to develop an easy-to-understand teaching method to rid us of these misconceptions that we have. So with that, I present to you a shift in thinking as sourced from gapminder.org. One of Gapminder and Rosling's big objectives was to change the way that people think about others and about the world, specifically about poverty. Oftentimes, our perceptions of what we believe the rest of the world to be like can really influence the way that we behave, the way we act, the way we donate money, and all of that. In the modern, developed world, there is a very us-and-them view of how the world's population lives. If there were 7 billion people in the world, and we're rapidly approaching 8, about 1 billion of them would live in developed countries, and about 6 billion would live in developing countries. If we look up what we mean when we throw around the terms developed and developing, the Cambridge English Dictionary defines a developing country as a country with little industrial and economic activity and where people have generally low incomes. While it defines a developed country as a country with a lot of industrial activity and where people have generally high incomes. It seems like a sophisticated modern perspective to use these terms, having moved away from more problematic terms like first world and third world, while at the same time we're treating those populations exactly the same as we used to when we used the older terms. So if we're thinking about the world in this way, we're thinking about one billion us's if we're considering ourselves to be developed, and six billion them's. Beside the fact of using an us-versus-them mindset to define anything and the kind of problems that can result from that, this also results in a lot of problems where we believe the issue to be insurmountable. Using this stratification of the developed and the developing, we would believe that six-sevenths of the world's population are deeply in poverty, starving, and probably beyond all hope. When we look at things this way, 
what potential is there to actually solve this problem, to actually help people, to actually help elevate them out of developing and into developed? That's where Rosling and Gapminder come in. Rather than say there's developed and developing, he asks us instead to think about the population of the world divided into four levels. So rather than taking that six billion tall stack of humans, if we're looking at bars, and that one billion tall stack of humans, which is the developed, instead think of four categories, levels one through four. Level four is the highest in terms of daily income, Level one is the lowest in terms of daily income. Level one makes less than $2 a day and represents roughly 1 billion people. Level two makes about two to $8 a day and represents 3 billion people. This is our largest cohort. Level three represents eight to $32 in daily income and represents 2 billion. And level four is $32 or greater a day and is about 1 billion people. Level one represents what we often think about when we think of the developing world in the old mindset of the developed and developing model. At this level, we find the world's poorest people. They earn less than $2 a day and meet even their most basic needs is a struggle. For these people, it's tough to find water to drink on a hot day or to stay dry when it's raining. At level one, women are much more likely to have six or seven children while the global average is just two. And this is because they live in countries where children are much more likely to die before reaching the age of five. And this may seem incredible to someone living at an income level of three or four, but it's the stark reality for the poorest billion people on the planet. People at income level one work as low yield farmers or laborers and have no savings. They often grow their own food, which their family relies on for subsistence and eat basically the same food every single meal of every single day, cooking in open outdoor fires. And because they grow their own food, they can't afford to buy food from shops or markets. So one bad harvest is all it takes for the entire family to starve. Water is also not a triviality, so many people at this income have to travel long distances just to fetch water using buckets either from a cold water tap or an open mud hole. And they can't afford any form of transportation, so all of this is taking place on foot. Their homes are made from natural materials like mud, reeds, and wood, and are vulnerable to bad weather because they only have temporary roofs. There usually aren't any dividing walls inside the home, so large families typically share a single common space at all times. And it's even hard for people at this income level to protect their homes and possessions from others because their doors don't have any locks. Worst of all, at level one, if a family member gets sick, the consequences can be terrible. It can be hard to cure even treatable diseases, illnesses, and infections because people have this degree of poverty, have limited access to antibiotics, and health clinics are often a long way away. Let's move up the scale to level two, our most populous group, representing three billion people worldwide with an average daily income of two to eight dollars. People at income level two don't have to struggle to meet their daily needs in the same way as those at income level one. For these three billion people though, there's still a great deal of uncertainty. For example, while living at income level two can afford basic medication, a single major illness in the family could push them back down to level one financially and extreme poverty. And an extreme weather event or some other unexpected setback can easily do the same thing financially. People at this income level work physically demanding jobs and are often still farmers, but unlike level one, they are able to start saving a little money. And that extra money can really change things. It can help them buy a bike, which at this income level can make a huge difference in a person's life. It means they can fetch clean water from a cold tap in under 30 minutes. 
or travel to a job that pays a bit more outside of their local area. Having more money also allows people at income level 2 to eat a more varied diet. They might be able to buy meat, eggs, vegetables, and even spices at a local shop or market to go along with their staple grains. And while meals are still basic, they can at least be cooked on a gas burner instead of an open fire. And when it comes to homes, the people that live at this income level are stronger than those at level 1, but are also still simple and made from patchwork materials. There's more likely to be a lock on the front door, but there's still many people sharing a small space. One major bonus of making the jump from level 1 to level 2 is that people no longer have to sleep on the floor, they can actually afford mattresses. But let's talk about the biggest bonus to moving up to level 2, electricity. Electrical power suppliers are typically unstable, but can allow families to have a few light bulbs in their home, and that means people are less dependent on the sun for visibility, and children can spend more time doing their homework in the evenings. Moving up to level 3, which is a population of 2 billion people, these people make about $8 to $32 daily. As you would expect, people at this income level have greater stability than levels 1 and 2 and can afford to buy things beyond their basic necessities. Of course, it's not all fun and games. People at income levels 3 work long hours in factories as drivers or nurses and hairdressers. And while there's no doubt that the threats are much less common at level 3, life can still be difficult and stressful at times. However, hardworking people at level 3 are able to save a small amount of money and sometimes even have access to microfinancing. This extra money is often used to buy a small motorbike or moped, and even families without these luxuries still have access to public transportation. More money also means more meat, which people at level 3 can afford to buy from shops and markets. These meals have the variety to add more nutrients than other people at level 1 and 2, and unlike them, people at this income level eat something different for breakfast and dinner. There's a further upgrade in the kitchen facilities as well. They also cook their meats on a simple stove rather than an open fire or a single gas burner. Another huge positive for people at this income level is that they don't have to spend their time fetching water because there is a clean water tap at the home or at least very close by. And getting medical treatment is also easier with hospitals and health clinics typically nearby and local shops selling medicine for minor illnesses. When it comes to living arrangements, people at level 3 live in homes with more than one bedroom and that are styled according to their own tastes. The roofs don't leak, the people are able to protect their families and possessions thanks to strong door locks and sealed windows, and electricity is much more stable at this income level so people can buy a small television or a laptop to watch their favorite television shows. And despite the long working hours at level 3, and often even multiple jobs, people at level 3 may be lucky enough to be able to take a family for a short vacation somewhere close by. That might not sound like much, but it represents a huge leap forward from income at levels 1 and 2. And lastly, let's get to level 4, the top of our hierarchy. Level 4 represents 1 billion people, which is roughly the same size of income level 1. However, at income level 4, we're looking at those families that make $32 or greater a day. At this income level, we find the richest billion people on the planet who work in jobs that typically require at least 12 years of education, something that those on lower income levels cannot currently aspire to. People at this income level are able to buy consumer goods, fly abroad with their families on vacation, and eat out at restaurants. None of these luxuries are available to those living at income levels 1 through 3, but are considered normal to most at level 4. The food they eat is often highly nutritious and diverse, as well as being rich in protein and vitamins. And people at level 4 can buy pre-prepared food to save them time on cooking. And at this income level, not only electricity, but also internet connections are extremely reliable. Nearly every home has at least one TV and computer, and kitchens are equipped with stoves, ovens, toasters, microwaves, 
Homes also have baths and showers installed with both hot and cold water, which is another luxury that's extremely rare at any income level. Perhaps most importantly at level four, life is more secure. Not only are doors and windows locked, but valuable property is usually insured against theft and damage. People also have bank accounts, access to credit and pension funds when they retire, and healthcare is also readily available to people living at level four with basic medication available at affordable rates from local shops and advanced and emergency medical treatment available locally to almost everybody. The world looks a lot different when viewed this way. What appeared to be a massive gap is actually a distribution of people, many of whom are living far better lives than the older model would indicate. And while hearing the descriptions of lower levels can be shocking to those at level four, it's important to note that as recently as 1960, nearly all of Europe's population was at level two or three, and Asia was predominantly level one and two. But in the 60 years since, Asia has moved to be majority two and three, and Europe has moved to levels three and four. So we're actually seeing an amazing progression of cultures, societies, and populations moving forward along this hierarchy. We're actually elevating people out of the lower levels into the higher levels, which is making an incredible difference on people's lives around the world. Hans Rosling and his research with Gapminder, which has been highlighted extensively throughout this, most of these quotes aren't mine. These are coming straight from Gapminder, has really changed the way I think about so many things. And whenever I need to check myself, I really enjoy going there and questioning my own perceptions of reality because we all have so many ideas of how the world actually is. And many times those ideas could be dramatically outdated based on older data, or they could be informed by other people making inaccurate assessments of things. Oftentimes we watch the news and what we're representing outside of level four is all presented as level one, which is inaccurate and it's not helpful and it doesn't help us help others, right? When you believe that the vast majority of the world is so deeply in poverty, it's very easy to lose hope and not see a way out of that. But when you see that there's actually a stratification of people, people at different levels, and that there is a path forward and that people have been following this path and that we can actually demonstrate that by watching as populations across Europe and Asia have progressed through these stages to be where they are now, we can see that not only are things not as bad as they seem, but things are getting better all the time. And I think that's really the message I would want to take away from this. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Data Dump. In future episodes of Data Plus Love, we'll be returning to our traditional format with more guests, but we're also going to be doing a lot more of this, so I hope you're enjoying it. Having said that, gapminder.org is the focus of today's presentation. So if you're interested in what I had to say today, it's all coming straight from there. So go check out Gapminder and challenge some of your preconceived notions. I think you may be really excited what you find, and it might actually drive you to do something different with how you interact with the world. Also, check out Hans Rosling's book's Factfulness. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's available on Amazon right now. Go check it out. Additionally, check out our sister podcast with Mark Bradbourne, Just 5 Minutes. It's just five minutes. He's talking about data-related topics and hopefully creating small, engaging conversations that will keep you coming back for more. Also, don't be afraid to go to anchor.fm, type in Data Plus Love, and leave a voicemail for the podcast. I'd love to hear what you're thinking about it or get comments on past episodes. Thanks, guys.